Abba Yahweh, the opportunity to be in your word, to share your truth, your knowledge, and your wisdom. My brothers and sisters, again, Father, you have blessed me with this opportunity. Have them hear the words, but listen to the message, Father God. And go to your truth, your word, and seek your face. Abba Yahweh, Abba Yahweh, Aman, Eshua, Aman, Parakletos, Aman. So Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are indeed praiseworthy. And remember, I've shared this with you before that Amen means so be it, and the word Aman translates to praiseworthy or worship of all praise. And indeed, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are praiseworthy, are they not? So that poser, um, I'm going to share several points with you and try to tie them up best that I can. Um, again, I have my theological degree comes from Heaven Sent University. It doesn't get notated by any chance or certified by any college here on this plane of existence. So, um, but I know where, I know where from I speak. <laughs> and the source of what God gives me and my credentials comes from the Father. So that being said, I'm going to share some things with you that I have shared before, and it might sound a little bit differently uh, applied to you, but I'm going to share it. Um, I want to go to a couple places, actually, um, and I'm going to take, and I'm going to step into this because, again, there are, um, there are a number of individuals that I have heard declare, and these people will get and stand on a stage, they will stand behind a pulpit and make a declaration that the Bible is not a guidebook, it's not our roadmap. It's not our instruction manual. Uh, you know, in different terms, they, they don't attack it in all three points of that, but they will separately. But here's what I have to detect, what I have to tell you, pardon me. Ta -ta 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 -ta. Um, what I have to tell you is that all three of those things are indeed found in the Bible. It is our guidebook. It is a roadmap of how we should function on this plane of existence that we are in. And it is indeed an instruction manual. So I've shared with you before that I'll argue that until the cows come home. Um, not confrontationally wise, but I will declare that to be the truth. And the Bible itself, and you can also go to the dictionary, which I did. And the Bible is declared to be full of God's commandments, precepts, the tenets of God that we are to obey. Now, I don't know about anybody else, but as a military guy, that sounds a lot like it's instructing you to do things. And when it tells you to go and seek the word of the prophets and that you will be following their commandments, um, Commandments are and instructions are 
can be termed a similitude. What does that mean? Well, maybe not necessarily synonymous, that one can be used in place of the other, but similar enough that they may be used interchangeably. That's a similitude. And commandments and instructions are that very thing. It is a similitude, and they are given that way. And I don't know who has decided that or made the decision that it is not the same or that the Bible is not an instruction. However, I I find that very hard to deal with. And what I have to pray through and go through is when I have somebody that is in a position or I don't know who gave it to them, but maybe they took it themselves and decided um, that they have a certain position of authority in the church and then they are going to dare to stand behind the podium and declare to the congregation that it's not meant to be an instruction manual or a guidebook, except that it is that very thing, a guidebook, a roadmap, and an instruction manual. And if you go through the New Testament's Jesus Christ, the anointed of God himself, speaks numerous times about commandments and follow my instructions. So which is it? The infallible word of God, the truth, the source of all truth, knowledge, and wisdom should be, or the fact that these individuals who have decided that they are in more authority and practicing the explicit Phariseeism that those that crucified our Lord Jesus practiced and tell you that the Bible is something that it is not or tell you that it is not something that it is. So that argument set aside, and I'll, I may revisit it again because I hear enough individuals declare that, and then they get apologetic for the word of God and apologizing that the word of God declares certain things a certain way, and then they want to apologize for that self-same statement that is found in the scriptures, the Holy Bible, the infallible truth that they want to then apologize for it so that they don't offend anyone. Well, here's what I have to say about that, and you know I will. I don't care. And the reason I don't care is because my Lord tells me that it is the way I am supposed to do things. We are to pray so that we have courage to go out in the day. And here's what I have to say about all those apologetic individuals. I had to be careful because my my worldly mind was spinning really fast and, and having to keep that in control because remember what the Bible says. And the book of Proverbs declares it. What is in your heart, so shall your mouth speak. So I have to be cautious and get that 
two-edged sword under control so I'm not flailing it around, as many will do. Now, here's what I want to share about instructions, commandments, and things that we can find. And this comes from chapter one. <laughs> Very interesting. You know, they'll declare certain things that are right, right in the scriptures, and then they're going to stand in front of you and declare these things. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding. Interesting. So that the word of God is telling us that the word of God is instruction so that we are able to perceive the words of understanding. And Jesus told us when he was getting ready to leave this plane of instruction of existence, that he told us that he would go to the Father so that the Holy Spirit would come and be here to comfort us, guide us, and give us understanding. How do you give understanding if it is not through instructions? Now, with a military mind, I've shared this with you before, that commandments or instructions are very similar, yet different. They are very similar. And for that purpose, as defined in the dictionary, commandment or instruction, knowledge imparted, the act of furnishing authoritative directions. Very interesting. So how do you do that? And as an instructor that I was in the Marine Corps and basically doing so now, but how do you do that if you don't give instruction and you don't share commandments, precepts, and tenets of God, which are all found in the Bible. Our guidebook, our roadmap, and our instruction manual. All three in one, as it is with the Holy Spirit, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, three into one, and we find that very thing in the Holy Bible. So these I want to be cautious of how I say this, but I'm just going to come right out and, and say it in truth. And the Holy Spirit is not holding me back, so here it comes. The cowardly individuals that I find, and some of them I I have a hard time saying that, and the reason I'm they having such a hard time is because there are several that I have respect for in their position and what they do and who they are. However, I have difficulty because I have heard them on several occasions. Number one, 
The Bible is not a guidebook. It's not our instruction manual, and it's not a roadmap. Well, I'm sorry, but the Bible itself is declared by the word of God, by his truth, by his infallible truth, that the Bible is all three of those things. You can find that in the very scriptures that are found in the Bible. It's to guide our steps through our walk. And we can do that by reading the word. Now, it might not be like the Thomas Brothers, which is one of the finest road atlases in this country. And I found it, I used that back in the day, way before GPS and all that stuff was allowed. And they didn't even have them. Honestly, I when I drove from border to border, coast to coast, 25 years, I did that with 18 wheelers. I had to use a Thompson Chain Reference Bible or the Movers map, uh, Movers map, some people called it. They declared that to be the best, but I found using that in combination with the Thomas Brothers, I found those to be the best source of directions, roads. Oh, man, they were great. I used them for 25 years, I did that. And then, of course, communication with... Uh, my contracts and that kept me going. So who decides and who is making the decision that the word of God is not an instruction manual? It's not our guidebook. It's none of those things. Well, you know what? When you start talking that way, I have to start putting things into perspective and remember what we are told, what Paul tells us, what John tells us, and what Jesus the anointed of God, Christ tells. Remember, this; these names, and sometimes you're not going to hear me say them all three together. Sometimes you'll hear me say one and not the other. But the word Christ means, translates to thus, translates to anointed of God. Jesus means redeemer or savior. And then, of course, the name given, Emmanuel. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, God in us. Christ anointed of God. When we are given testament from him that this is what the Bible is and he gives them that way, then who gave these individuals the authority to be apologetic for the word of God and then to instruct that it is not that thing that we are told by God? I have a great deal of problem in that. And that I have to work through this and I have to pray through this, not work it on my own, but I have to pray through this. Because as I've shared, some of these individuals, I am not wanting to disrespect them, so I don't use their name, but these individuals are in a position that I, that I question the authority that they are claiming. And I question that because they are apologetic for certain scriptures the way they are. They apologize for this and they change the scripture when right from the Bible, straight from the Bible, it talks about God's army. It talks about armor and that we have to be ready. So they apologize for using army, armor, and cognitively, and then they want to uh, they want to take sword as describing the word of God out 
and apologize for that. So when you become overly apologetic, that indicates that you in your heart are feeling ashamed of what you're saying there. And you, you're trying not to be offended, offensive to anyone. But then the question comes up in my mind, and this is what I have to pray through and get through. You have some audacity that you have taken up and you are apologizing for the infallible truth that is given by God, our Lord, and spoken by Jesus Christ. And you are apologizing for that so that you don't offend anyone? Well, are you worried about them being offended or worried about that they're going to say some bad things about you? And that you don't want them to react to you. And you're worried about your position. Hmm. Interesting chain of thought there. Just openly expressing. Possibly taking taking my anonymity by being on this thing and taking that outwardly. That's okay, because I will, because there's a lot of bullies out there that do that thing. I'm not bullying anything. I'm just speaking truth. Speaking the truth, which is all I will share. That's all I told you and declared that all the time. If you have a problem with what I'm saying, then what you do is just like we are told by John. First John 4, 1, I believe is the appropriate scripture. He tells us to try the spirit in all things, because there are many out here that seek to deceive. So what does that mean? That means that you pray the guidance of the Holy Spirit to God the Father through Jesus Christ who gave us that ability to be able to talk back and forth with God. And we go and we expressly express, say, Father, is this, is this man Raven that's sharing this podcasting that, that, his words that, that your podcast, is it truth? Should I listen to him? And if the Holy Spirit tells you no, then don't listen. Turn me off. It's very simple. And I invite you to do that because here's the thing. I know that he will not do that because what I share is the truth. Only the truth, his truth, period. So, John tells us to try the Spirit in all things. And I am doing this more and more. I, and there's many people when they go to church, they become so comfortable there. But I'm starting to pay more and more attention to things that I'm seeing that are mm, disconcerting. Because I'm finding more and more that elders... And pastors are apologizing for the word of God. They're being apologetic. And then they're openly declaring that the Bible is not something that it is. Or they are declaring that it is something that it isn't. Brothers and sisters, John tells us that we are to try the spirit in all things. Jesus tells us we can find this in the book of Matthew that we are going to be delivered up. And it's going to be out of the hatred that they have for us for his namesake. 
but that we are not to be concerned about saying or how we're going to speak because we will be guided by the Spirit. We pray. We don't decide, well, no, no, Your Honor, I never said that it was an army, and I know that that's very militaristic, and, and I'm sorry, I, that's, that's not, I think they misunderstood what I said. No, 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 no. Don't sit up there and try to flutter around and figure out how you're going to apologize and keep yourself out of Keep yourself out of trouble. Pray the Holy Spirit, and you don't even have to answer. Much of what God, what Jesus went through when he was finally taken before a tribunal, and when he stood before Pontius Pilate, he stood silent and firm. And oft times when he did that in front of the Pharisees when they were trying to condemn him, he stood silent, didn't say anything. Well, then you get individuals who get all excited. Oh, got no excuse now, huh? Well, that silence sure seems like that's good. Well, no, silence is not anything to do with guilt. If anything, silence is an affirmation of innocence. And as I've shared with you before, that Pilate took Jesus aside three times privately. The Bible says privately, but privately asked Jesus, are you these things that they declare? And three times he talked to Jesus and three times he went back and announced to the pharisaical tyrants, he said, I find no guile in this man. He speaks truth. And then he came back and he said, I find no guilt in this man that you bring bound before me. And three times he went out and he said, I find no guilt in him, nothing that warrants him to be crucified. And then he's openly declared to the Pharisees, if you want to crucify him, you crucify him, we'll beat him up for you, but you crucify him. And so they did, and they beat my Lord so severely that he barely had skin hanging on the, the bones across the back. They, they beat him so severely with what has come to be called the cat of nine tails. This was a device that Roman guards and prison keepers perfected and they took they took beaded beads of lead and other metals that they had put into the leather straps and they hung down and that's what they lashed my lord with Beat nearly to death before he even took the walk up the mount, place of the skull. Before he took that walk. He, and the reason he had to have help is because he could barely walk without carrying the cross. And then they called the man out to help him. Psalms. Book of Psalms by David. And people have issues with this, but I don't apologize for using David as a fine example. And you remember that God gave David this title. Man didn't decide that David was this way because he was such a goody-goody guy. We all know that David was not such a goody-goody guy. He wasn't allowed to build the temple because God said, you're not going to. 
I am not going to allow you to do that because of the things that you've done. However, what God called David was a man after my own heart. Because when David fell, David got up, brushed himself off, and went to the place that he should be, and that's with the Lord. Brothers and sisters, I am not a perfect man, <laughs> far from it. And there's nothing on this plane of existence that is perfect until he who is perfect has come. And that's the Jesus that I know as my Lord and Savior, the only begotten Son of God. Because why? My guidebook, my roadmap on my instruction manual tells me that he is. That would be the Holy Bible. Psalms. Book one, chapter one. Blessed is a man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Now, you have to understand that this is some old English speech here. I, I like the I like King James Version, I just do. So when it's saying that nor standeth in the way. That doesn't mean that you're standing in the in the sidewalk or in the road that you're standing so that they can't go by or you have to. That's not what that means. That means that you are in their path and you are traveling the same as they are. So what we're being told in the Bible is, blessed is a man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly so that they talk you into going and doing all the stuff that they're gonna do anyway or that you might've used to do before you decide to say, you know what? I got to cut this rope that you have around my neck because you're dragging me down. You're like a millstone around my neck. And the Bible tells me that I need to cut you loose because you keep saying that you understand and that you know what my beliefs are, but yet you still counsel me to do things that I shouldn't be doing that are contrary to the word of God. And you still try to get me to go to the places that we used to go to. And I can't do that. I can't do that. So I'm cutting the rope nor standeth in the way of the sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. So you don't sit around and keep company with him. You can get up and move to a different table or, or just move away. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. What is the law? The word of God. The word of God, that you meditate on God. Take time to practice his presence and be practicing his hearness. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in the season. His leaf shall also not wither and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Now, in that scripture is where I went, where I headed to in my other portion of what I want to share because trees are really interesting. God, man, he just makes some really awesome creations in the form of trees. So let me share this with you about that. Some of you may or may not know that a palm is not actually a tree. They call it a palm tree, but it's not actually a tree. Did you all know that? I can't see any hands up back there. Okay, so if you didn't know that, that's okay because palm is really not a tree. It's actually more closely related to a grass. And the way that you know that, and, and I speak these things because 
I used to work with the arborist for a county park system, and we had a lot of palms that we'd like to put in, having to cut and trim and get up and do all the stuff. But anyway, working with the arborist, in case you don't know, that's a tree specialist, somebody that specialized in trees, knowing how to cut them, knowing how they're supposed to be taken care of. Anyway, so I got to work with them for quite a long time, and it was very cool. I learned a lot of things. And palms are not actually trees. They're more a related, closely related to a grass or in reeds. Now, a very interesting thing. In the Middle East, in a lot of places, you will see palms that are planted in open space and, and along waterfront and along riverways. You'll see those planted. And why did they do that? Well, here's why. And the, the tree roots and the tap roots, as they call them, or the feeder roots, is very interesting. And if you look at a cutaway diagram of a palm, you see this very long, truncated growth that goes up. And then you have the palm fronds that go out and either grow coconuts or dates or um, what are these, uh, coconillas, some of the fruit that come off the palms. that can all be eaten. All of them can be eaten. But the interesting thing about the palm is that especially around the waterfronts and riverways is that they can be buffeted by a gale force winds and the tree will bend. And rarely do you see a palm tree that's broken by a heavy wind. Rarely will you see that happen. And that's because of the way the palm grows. But the cutaway version of this is if you were to look at a diagram, and I found one that was very interesting to see, is that when the palm grows, it has these very spread out feeding roots, and, and called tap roots, that those are not like other trees that grow very deep and centered, but they have tap roots that go down. But then the roots, they start to spread out and they look almost like the canopy of a tree above the ground. And they spread out for a long distance. And if you've ever cut across a palm and you look at the crosscut section, you can see that this these roots actually continue up the trunk of the tree and they intertwine, they wrap and they pull and they they grow tightly and it goes all the way up. So you have, it's a lot like a um, cable suspension bridge that they have literally thousands of these small wrapped wires that produce one cable. And then they take that one cable and they wrap it around another one and another one, and another one. And that's what holds this bridge up over the ocean that crosses these long spans that allow the traffic to move up and down. So a palm tree grows that way. And it has all that done and they intertwine. Further in verse four, the ungodly are not so, but are like the shaft, which the wind driveth away. And what is that saying? First, it talks about the tree that's planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in the season, his leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. That river is the water that flows from the throne of God, the living waters that come forth like a river and plant our feet 
along the edge of that river so that we are growing by that living water. The ungodly are not so. They won't plant themselves by the by that river and they don't want to stand down there. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Now remember, I've shared this with you before, brothers and sisters, that there is a difference between death and perishing. Perishing is that you do not, are not able to spend eternity with your loved ones, those that you know, and Christ, Abba Yahweh, Paracletus, Holy Spirit, and you're not able to commune with them and spend that time. So when you're separated from that, that's perishing. And the Bible speaks specifically to them perishing. And they will indeed, but it, that's the ungodly. They refuse to repent. They refuse to ask God forgiveness. And they continually berate, belittle, and degrade you for your faith. Those are the ungodly. And they will perish. Unless they repent. Which is what the opportunity is that I try to give to y'all out there. Listen, this is to give you an opportunity to be able to say, Heavenly Father, I do believe that Jesus Christ is your only begotten Son. I do believe that the Holy Spirit will guide me and teach me, and I will have faith in you. Come into my life, Jesus, Lord. It'll happen. It'll be done. And as I shared with you uh, a little bit ago that in the book of Proverbs that it talks about the instructions so if this is not an instruction manual it's kind of it's very contrary I mean these individuals that tell us it's not but yet the Bible will say things like Proverbs 1 2 to know wisdom and instruction to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom and justice and judgment and in, and equity, to give subtly to the simple, the young man knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and will increase learning, and a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsel. To understand a proverb and the interpretation of the words of the wise and their dark sayings. Well, that's very, very interesting because, brothers and sisters, I, I'm not sure, but I've, I've read many, 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 pardon me, <coughs> pardon me, <coughs> pardon me for that. But I have read many instruction manuals, and this reads very much like that. And that's in the book of Proverbs. That's just, that's just in the first chapter, the first verse. 
So that sounds very much like part of an instruction manual to me. <coughs> Pardon me, the devil's really trying to agitate and keep me from sharing. That's okay. I'll just rebuke that and keep on going. So as I'm just sharing the different... <laughs> Pardon me. Goodness gracious, he's really trying to pester me. So we talked about the palm tree. We talked about instructions and all. Now we're going to go to a different kind of a tree. We're going to go to a redwood. This is a this is a fascinating tree. And I think that, that um, as a Christian, if you're a true believer... If you're not a label head and you're not a self-proclaimed Christian and you're a true believer, that we need to be more like a redwood. <clears throat> they talk about these oaks that we grow up strong and we offer a good shade and all these things and fruit trees and all that. But, but I like redwoods and I like redwoods because they're a fascinating tree. First of all, there's a whole lot of people that might not know this, and that's okay. Um, but redwoods are... Um, redwoods obtain most of their nutrition not from the ground, but from above. Now, trees will, many other trees that, that can grow very large canopies and they don't grow really tall, but they have big canopies and, and other trees other than redwoods obtain most of their nutrition from ground source. So they have to have a good source of water and nutrients so that they can get this and take it up in their, and it it takes energy for them to do this. This is why it's important that fruit trees need to be trimmed and need, and the husbandman, as the Bible talks about, will come in and trim off branches, parts of the vine and do all this. And that's done because the energy needs to be applied to the fruit so that the fruit will grow and become sweet. But if the tree or the vine is expending too much energy and drawing the nutrients up, then they don't grow so well. And they don't produce a lot of fruit. But the redwood, very interesting. I find this so interesting that the redwood roots, it has a single tap root that goes well down into the ground. But if you can uh, bear with me here, if you can imagine a redwood that gets to be hundreds of feet tall, I think the tallest redwood tree is, I was reading this fascinating, um, fascinating informational digest. This arborist was doing a study trying to find the tallest. I think they were 478 feet tall. If you can imagine what that is, that's, that's ginormous. So let's take a take a measurement here that the average house is eight feet from floor to the ceiling in a room. Looking here in, in uh, my bedroom from the floor to the ceiling is eight feet. Sometimes they go up uh, to 10 and 12 feet. That's called a vaulted ceiling. But standard rooms are um, eight feet from floor to ceiling. 
Now, um, the floors of the building are generally 10 feet because you have the one, it, it goes from floor to floor. Um, from the floor measurement to the floor to the next, next flight up. And those are generally 10 feet because you have a crawl space. Anyway, let's not get too technical about that. So anyway, if you can imagine that now we're talking about a building that's going to be over 40 stories tall. If you're talking about a, a pine tree, a redwood tree, that is 478 feet tall, you're talking about a tree that's going to be over 40 stories tall. Now, if you put that next to a building and compare it in height, um, that's pretty, pretty well up there. And... I am looking something up right now. Bear with me for just a moment, please. So we're talking about um, okay. The Empire State Building is one thousand two hundred and 50 feet tall. And if you measure to the top of the the antennas and all that other hoo-hurrah that they have on top, that uh, that's 1,454 feet tall. Okay, so your redwood trees are growing a little bit over about halfway the height of the Empire State Building. If anybody sees a picture of that and sees how tall that is, and then they can know and understand these redwoods. Now, the redwood trees primarily get their nutrients from above. They don't draw their nutrients from the ground. Their main source of nutrition and water and everything that they need comes from above them, which is one of the reasons that they can grow so tall and so mighty and so strong <clears throat> because their nutrition comes from above. Okay, why is that? Why do, am I so fascinated with that? Why do I love that as an illustration to the Bible? Well, we should be getting our nutrition mostly from above, not drawing our source of information, knowledge, and instruction from all this ground source on this plane of existence that we're in, and we should be drawing all of that from above. And where does that come from? from God, from heaven, his instructions, his guidance, his nutrition that we find in the word that he gives to us and he shares with us and he gives to us freely. That's where we need to be drawing that from. And look, we will be like a mighty redwood. And here's the other thing about a redwood. When they grow in a redwood forest, the root system, they intertwine. They grow outward and they spread outward, but the the root system, they intertwine with the other tree. And it is said that when you cut, well, this is an old story, and I kind of lean into this, is that when you cut one down, the other trees can feel it. And there's a lot of people that say, well, that's a bunch of baloney. It's just a tree. Oh, and you have decided that because you have 
knowledge of this and you believe that the, a creation of God is not capable of doing that and because it's what? Just a tree? And I guess the point that I'm getting to is that we need to be much more guarded in what we say and talk to people and how we talk to people, um, that we need to be more intertwined. And I'm going to share this is what's important in Proverbs 23, 7, that we are told, for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, saith he to thee, but his heart is not with thee. Oh, yeah, yeah, come along, come on over here, sit down with us, and, and, and here, have, have this to drink. Yeah, we got plenty of this over here. But what's that say? You'd be guarded, because they're not really with you. They're just busy drinking and carrying on to be guarded on what you say. So what you have in your heart, you're going to say it and you're going to speak it. So, and I bring that up because this word retardation. And I commend a lot of these young people that are, and even older people that have declared this something that they don't like. So where does this word come from that somebody has decided that they're going to change it for what it actually means and they're going to use it as a derogatory term and they're going to sling it at people like so much mud or dung and they're going to throw it at them and cut them down. When I was a kid, quite honestly, we used to use it. Man, it's such a retard. Well, that's very derogatory and it's not even close to being accurate for the definition of the word. And I learned, I learned mostly from music. And the term was a Latin phrase that was used in music. Retarde, retardation, to slow down so that you're not, when you're at a certain tempo and the beat and you're playing this long orchestration, then there's a, a point and Right, written right in the in the uh, in the score is the word. It means to slow down, and the only thing that that means is slowed down, or to slow down. And it has nothing to do with necessarily intellectual prowess that the individual has. It might take them a little bit longer to do something, or to figure something out and show them. But don't we need to have, should we not be showing more compassion and kindness and taking that extra bit of time for them to be able to possibly do the same thing that somebody else can do? It takes a little more instruction. So be kind, be compassionate, and slow down for them. What's the big deal? Why are you in such a hurry to get somewhere? The Bible talks about this. God tells us all the time, slow down. What's that song? Who's saying that? I can't remember who's saying that. Slow down, you're moving too fast. 
Gotta make this morning last. Let the, well, millennials aren't going to know that, but some older people might recognize the tune. But that, that was the song. Slow down. You're moving too fast. Got to make this morning last. The morning time with God, which is his watch. Make it last. Take time with him. I love my early morning hours and God invites me to that. And I'm, I'm practicing more and more and I gotta, I need to do so even, even more so. But brothers and sisters, we need to be more like the trees, be bending and not break and declare truth. Uh, brothers and sisters, this is a this is a very 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 powerful word that God has provided for us. He gives us everything that we need all the information, all the guidance, all the instructions, and they are indeed here. And remember what I shared about coming. Jesus tells us this very thing. My Christ tells me this very thing. And we're going to find this in Matthew 10. And we're going to go to... Uh, 16 through verse 20. I might go a little farther. Matthew 10, 16. Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. When you're learning to be a disciple, to go out and share the word, and he makes you an apostle to do so, He's sending you out into the world and you will be scorned, you'll be hated, and they'll look to deceive you and treat you with no respect. Beware of men, for they will deliver you up to be to the councils and they will scourge you in their synagogues. And ye shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. So you see that happening now. When you speak up against any body of authority or those that don't have any understanding, what do they do? Immediately start besmirching your faith, belittling your faith, belittling you as a Christian. We saw that with our female soccer team. Those four young ladies that stood up and declared their faith and then the others, because these young women didn't take their their uh, LGBTQ, ABCDEFG, whatever, belief, and didn't align with them. They didn't belittle them, but they didn't align with them. They just told me, said, our faith doesn't allow us to do that. But yet, these other women decided, because they stood firm in their faith, that they were going to belittle them, they were going to kick them off the team, and they did so simply because they stood for their faith and their belief in God. 
And then as you see what took place, that team that they were all so proud of didn't make it to the championships that they were so declaring. Further reading. Verse 18, and ye shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. That's what I was just sharing. But when they deliver you up, take no thought of how or what ye shall speak, for it shall be given you in that same hour what ye shall speak. Don't sit there and rehearse and try to figure out what you're going to say. Yeah, well, I didn't mean to say it that way, and I didn't, and da 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 da. And then you get up there and you may start making all these excuses. We're not to do that. Pray the Spirit, the guidance that your words and the Holy Spirit will help you be guarded in what you say, and deliver what you're supposed to say. <clears throat> For it is not ye that speak, but the spirit of your father, which speaketh in you. So brothers and sisters, I gotta share with you that we just need to be in the word, in the spirit, kind, compassion. We need to plant ourselves by that moving river, the river of living waters, <clears throat> and that we need to be, pardon me, we need to be getting our nutrients from above. Further reading in Matthew 22 I'm going to 2214. <coughs> Pardon me. <coughs> Sorry about that. 2214. For many are called, but few are chosen. Then went the Pharisees and took counsel how they might entangle him in his talk. <laughs> so they're always conniving some way to get and try to entangle Jesus and trap him in his truth, except that what I've shared with you before is that a liar is the one that's going to get tripped up, and they're going to forget what they say. But if you speak truth, you don't bend it, you don't change it, and you don't make it something that it's not. Truth is truth, period. You don't have to change anything. But a liar is going to testify with a lie, and another lie, and another lie, and another lie, and then they're going to forget what they say, and they get tripped up, which is exactly what the Pharisees were trying to do with Jesus, except that Jesus, anointed of God, our Christ, is the truth, speaks nothing but the truth. Then went the Pharisees and took counsel how they might entangle him in his talk. See if we can trip him up. See if he's going to forget and say something different. Then we're going to know he's a liar. That didn't ever work, though. And they sent out unto him their disciples with the Herodians. Now, here's something fascinating here. For those of you that don't know, the Herodians were the 
special guard of Herod, the same one that took John the baptizer and threw him into prison and lopped off his head, Jesus' earthly cousin, and lied to and the other Herod. Now they came in and they were Herod, Herod and his son, and Herod is his grandson and all that. They all had Herod. It's kind of like George Foreman. George, 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 or George. So anyway, first Herod lied to the Magi when they came. They wanted to worship God. And he said, oh, come and tell me where I can find him so I can come and worship him true. But then the angel of the Lord came to him and said, oh, no, no, no. This old, this big old guy, he's a liar. He's looking to come so he can kill Jesus because he's jealous that his seat is going to be taken. So go a different way to go home and tell him you didn't find him, whatever. But just say that you're going. And they left. And when he went to find the Magi, they were already gone. They had departed a different way. They did as the angel of the Lord told them to do. And the Herodians were the special guard that provided, were special guards at the palace for Herod that they were his guards, like you have the uh, temple guards that guarded the synagogue and all. And so when they went to collect Jesus in the garden, that the Herodians, Romans, and the, temp and the temple guards all went. This is, he said, hey, you come like a, like a, in a small army of thieves and you're coming in the dark so nobody sees you. And yet I was, in your midst every single day. And here you come out here in the middle of the night. And not only out here sneaking around, but you got this guy that's going to come up and walk up to me and give me a kiss on my cheek so that you can even pick me out. <clears throat> but I spent days with you, countless days. For the last three years, I've been in teaching in the temple, teaching in the synagogue, and preaching in the streets. I fed 5,000 one time I fed 4,000 another, but remember that was talking about the men. So the numbers were very much more than that. So, and I did these things. I took a stroll out on the Sea of Galilee in a stormy night, as a matter of fact. I did all these things. And yet here you got to come and sneak up here in the middle of the night and take me away. And then the temple guards were shoving him down and being the most disrespectful, simply disrespectful. And let's go a different direction, shall we? They weren't, it wasn't even that he was Jesus Christ. Let's just talk about as a man, which he was at that time. And they shoved him to the ground and they whacked him a couple times. The temple guards did this. The special guards that were empowered by the Pharisees of the Sanhedrin. Ugh. So, and they sent out unto him their disciples, or their Herodians, saying, Master, we know that thou art true and teachest the way of God in truth. Neither carest thou for any man, for thou regardest not the person of men. Tell us, therefore, what thinkest thou? Is it lawful to give tribute unto Caesar or not? So they were trying to trip Jesus up and have him speak against them. But he knew their hearts, because in their heart was deceit. 
Brothers and sisters, I pray for you daily, going out and coming in. Be blessed.